Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 10.45 a.m. Today's message is, The Sky is Not Falling. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. There is no one like him in in the chaos of life. If we can make sure that we focus uh, on him, uh, it will certainly steady steady our days, steady our lives, give us a, a hope for the future. As we continue in worship, we come to that place where we just recognize that all that we have is God's, and he asks us to be good stewards of that. And so as we take the offering today, we do always want to remind ourselves this is not just about collecting money. It's about remembering that all we have is God's, that, um, you know, we don't uh, check whether we're a good Christian or not based on how much we give in the offering plate. God wants us to be giving all of what we have back to him. And so we recognize that that includes our finances, but it also includes our time and our energy, our talents, our relationships, all of that is included in, in being good stewards. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare to take this morning offering. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to give back to you. And we pray, Lord, that everything that is received today will be used to further your kingdom. And we thank you for giving us the opportunity to participate with you in your mission to share your love with the world around us. Lord, help us to be good stewards with all that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name we ask him. Amen. All right. Well, today I'm, I'm going to be getting into to some things maybe that are a little bit philosophical. Kind of, there's been a lot of things going on in my head, and so I'm hoping that's always a scary thing because I never really know what's going to then come out of the mouth. Like things make sense up here sometimes, and then they come out, and you're like, oh, that didn't go over well. But, uh, but we're going to be talking about kind of moving from last week where we talked about wisdom and the importance of wisdom. Um, and today we're going to look at Jesus and some words that he gave of how we should be wise in the way that we engage the world around us for Christ, of how we proclaim the kingdom of God. And so, but we're going to get into some things maybe that could be seen as a little political, right? And uh, we don't want that to be the dominating theme, but that, that's part of, we, we need, that's part of how uh, we engage the world around us is, is we, we live within systems and structures. And so how do we be wise in that? And so we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 23. And what's kind of going on here in Matthew is, is Jesus has gathered the disciples, he's gathered the apostles, and now he's going to send them out. He's sending them out to different towns uh, in the area. And, and he basically is sending out in groups of two. And he's saying, all right, I want you to go and you're going to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. Right? That the Son of Man has come. And he says things like, you're going to be uh, persecuted. People are not going to pay attention to you. If people don't welcome you, you walk and you just keep going. Right? And then he, he gives some words of wisdom that I think can still apply to us today as we try and strive to go about sharing the kingdom of God. So in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16, this is on page 681 in the chair Bibles. Again, those Bibles are for you. Uh, we're going to be getting some new ones pretty soon. But uh, if, you need, uh, if you need one of those Bibles or know someone who does, uh, feel free to take them. 
So Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father, is, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. All right. So there's a lot going on here, and obviously there's a lot more to this passage. We're just going to kind of focus on, on this part of it. Um, there's some of this that Jesus is saying, this is going to be happening to you right now. Some of this is kind of looking forward, you know, kind of a, a mixture of, of things. Some of it's looking, it's kind of, you know, even that, that hasn't, time that hasn't even come yet, right? There's, there's a, even a little bit of that in this passage. So this is a, a pretty theologically rich Passage, But I want us to, to kind of think about it because um, here Jesus is. He's sending out his, his 12 and he's saying, you're going to go and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's, that's his task. That, that's it. That's all they're supposed to do. Right? And uh, he says, you're just supposed to go and say, hey, God has entered into the world again. The, the promised Messiah, the Son of Man is here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? That's a pretty simple message. That's really, if you think about it, that's the message that we continue to preach today. We, we'll call it the gospel message. So it's a little bit different than what they were doing because Jesus hadn't died and rose again yet, right? But it's still the basic premise. Is it's how do we share the gospel with the world around us? And it's very interesting. Just a couple things to, that really jump off the page to me is that the, Jesus starts off and he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, let's just break that statement down. A sheep and a wolf, that very rarely ends up well for the sheep, right? In fact, that, it, it doesn't, right? The, the sheep does not win against that in just a realistic setting. The wolf always has the advantage. So sheep, in order to survive... They have to do it in different ways. They need someone to protect them, right? They stay in groups. They move into different places. Um, they have to be faster than the next sheep, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but it's interesting, and I think, again, Jesus knew what he was talking about here, is whenever you put a bunch of sheep and you release them amongst the wolves, there are going to be some sheep that don't make it back, right? See, Jesus understood that trying to proclaim the good news, the kingdom of God, that there's going to be casualties. And it's not just physical, even though we see martyrdom, right? But it's not going to be easy. That's what this statement is saying. He says, listen, I know this isn't going to be easy. And, you know, it's kind of amazing how frustrated we get whenever we're not allowed to share our faith the way that we want to. Especially in this country, by the way, we're very spoiled in how wonderful we've had it to share our faith. But there are some things now, there are some barriers, and it's really frustrating. And we're like, oh, 
Why would they be doing this? Well, because Jesus said they would. <laughs> Jesus said the world is going to be like wolves and you're like sheep going into it. We should expect that it's not going to always be easy to share our faith. Right? That it shouldn't be something that we get all upset and frustrated with. That Jesus said this is what's going to happen. Right? And so he says, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. So my first thought is, okay, well, how do I prepare as a sheep to make sure that I don't get eaten, right? And the way that we usually think is that, well, we need to get stronger so we can fight the wolf and we can beat the wolf, right? But Jesus kind of says something different. He says to be shrewd as snakes and to be gentle as doves, right? So he's talking about the way that we think and the way that we act, right? So the way that we think, the way that we approach this is to be shrewd. We should be smart, in other words, right? We shouldn't just, we shouldn't just offer ourselves up as the sacrificial lamb for no reason, right? We should, in fact, later Jesus says, if you're being persecuted, move away, <laughs> Right? So, and, and sometimes that, it's kind of interesting because sometimes we take that persecution as a badge of honor and it's like we do things nearly in order to be persecuted. Right? And so we can say, look at how wonderful I'm standing up for my faith and look at what it's causing me. I think Jesus would say, move away from that. Right? No, don't, don't just intentionally allow yourself to get eaten by the wolf. Right? Be smart. Be wise in how we go about doing this. But it's interesting, the phrase that Jesus uses of how we act, as innocent as doves. There aren't too many athletic teams named the doves. Right? You start thinking about athletic, they're, they're animals that are aggressive, that are powerful, that can defend themselves. Even the Hutto hippos, as silly as that sounds, the hippos kill more people like than any other animal on earth. So that's actually one of the best mascots ever, right? But it, we, never, we don't want to be characterized as... We see doves as weak. We see them as just sitting there waiting to be eaten, waiting to be devoured. Their only defense is that they can fly away. And we see that as weakness because that's retreat, Right? Isn't it interesting that Jesus says to be gentle as doves? And I think what he's saying is that our attitude in the way that we go about trying to share our faith is it's done in a gentle way. It's not done in an aggressive fashion. And it's important to be thinking that out. And that's why we have to be wise as serpents, right? We're wise, we're calculating, we know what we're doing, but the way that we do it is very important. And sometimes I think we've reversed these, that we haven't been all that wise, and so we've decided, you know what, we're just going to be as aggressive as we possibly can in sharing the gospel. You know, if you want to take it to the extreme, you look back at the uh, Crusades, Right? One, there were a lot of things going on in the Crusades. So, I mean, but one of the ways that they would get people to join the Crusades is we're going to go and we're going to share Christ and we're going to convert all of the, uh, the Muslim population. 
and we're going to do it at the tip of the sword. That doesn't fit with being shrewd as snake. Well, actually, it's very shrewd by the people that were trying to get the army together. But it, it sure isn't, doesn't fit with being innocent as doves, right? And sometimes I think w- the way that we've gone about trying to share the kingdom of God can be very, very rough. You know, we, I, I, I've, and, I, and I've witnessed this before. I, I saw a, a group protesting outside of an abortion clinic. And they were pro-lifers, and they were, you know, against what was happening in the abortion clinic, which, by the way, I, I am too. But the way in which they were doing it was not innocent as doves. It was very hostile. And you know what? Whenever you do things in a hostile and an angry way, you know what you get in return? Hostility and anger. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? The way that we go about proclaiming the kingdom of God, it should be done in a gentle way. One of the reasons that we have a hard time for this, uh, with this is, is like we've said, we don't like the idea of retreating. We don't like the idea of being passive. Right? We, we come from a country where we fight for our freedom, as we should have. We come from a country that has stood up against evil before and has gone and fought and died to, to fight evil, as we should have. But see, what we do many times is we confuse this kind of how we interact in the world on a political stage with how we impact the world um, through the kingdom of God and working in the way that Christ wants us to work. And so we say, well, the way that we would get rid of evil as a country is we would go and destroy it, right? And so we see all the evil in the world around, and and we say, well, the the world needs Christ. And so what we need to do is we just need to, to share the gospel message no matter who gets run over in the process. Well, I don't know if that's the way that Jesus would want us to go about it. We've got to understand the context. Jesus is talking about how we engage the world for the kingdom of God. He's not making a political directive for how countries should engage the world. Right? There is a difference there. See, how we share the gospel, how we live our lives for Christ, needs to be done as innocent as doves. Now, Jesus goes on. And here's reasons that we don't like the dove example as well. Jesus lets us know what's going to happen. There's two basic warnings. One, Jesus talks about some persecution. You know, you're going to be taken before uh, the uh, the councils. You're going to be taken before and they're going to throw you in jail. And, of course, this gets escalated over time. And many times people are burned at the stake. All kinds of things happen. But basically what Jesus is talking about is that the world is going to try to scare you to death, to get you to shut up, right? All that persecution was, it was about fear. If we can put enough fear into those followers of Christ, then they'll be quiet and they won't do anything anymore, right? That's what they were trying to do. And so Jesus is warning, hey, the world is going to try to make you afraid. And he also, interesting, he said, brother will turn on brother, Father will turn in son. Now, I think we have to be careful getting real literal, but even in that day and time, that would have been like, if you were a strong Jewish family and your son 
became Christian and started following this new Messiah, you may turn him into the authorities, right? And, but what Jesus was talking about is that there's going to be a hate that is developed between people who are actually very similar, right? So Jesus is saying there's going to be fear from the world and there's going to be hate from the world. And what those things do is when we're engaged by fear and hate, the last thing we want to do is to be innocent as doves, right? We want to fight back. But Jesus is saying, no, you're going to experience these things, but you need to be innocent as doves. So today, how does that apply? We don't have here in this country as much persecution that leads to fear. But see, the wolves are very smart. The wolves use different tactics in order to bring us fear and to make us fearful. Because again, the more fearful we are, the less we're going to act like doves. And the more we're going to start acting like wolves. And so the world wants us to be filled with fear. Well, here in the United States, because of some wonderful things of how we've been set up, is we're not persecuted, right? We don't have the fear of someone coming and arresting us, right? But the wolves have changed the tactics because I would say that right now that people in the United States are more fearful than we've ever been before. Fearful of everything. We're fearful of what may happen on, in, the, in the world around us. We're fearful that all of our values are leaving. We're fearful that liberals are going to take over the world. We're fearful that ultra-right conservatives are going to take over the world. We are terrified, right? And, I mean, we see it in the news, everything. If you ask most people, and there's actually been polls, if you ask most people, you know, are, are you encouraged by what's going on or, you know, are, are things going well? Mo the vast majority of people are like, no, it's not. Things are horrible. Most people right now think things are horrible in our country. And that may be an overstatement, but it, there's, a, there's just kind of an, a, a, a general feeling. We're called to be shrewd as snakes. So in other words, we need to be wise. We need to understand, are these legitimate reasons to be fearful? And I would say absolutely not. <laughs> What's happening in our country right now, there are things to be concerned about. But there is no reason for us to be fearful and feel like we have to lash out. Because all we're doing is we're feeding the anger. I want to just give, these are, I know you always have to be careful with statistics, but these are all pretty broad. But, and I've read some articles and things like that of people that, well, just this past Friday, we had a walkout in school. You know, and part of that is because things are so bad, we need to make sure we stand up and to try to make things better. I agree, we can always make things better. But we also need to understand is there a reason for us to be freaking out that the world is falling apart? And I would say, no. Here's just, this is just in the U.S. Over the last three decades, this is going back to 1988. In 1988, the annual homicide rate was 8.5 uh, people per 100,000. In 2016, it was 4.4 .4 people 
in 100,000. That's here in the United States. That doesn't, so even though our population has exploded since then, it's been, the homicide rate has been cut in half. Right? That's generally pretty good. Um, 11% fell below the poverty line in 1988. Um, today, let's see, today that is um, 3%. So from 11 to 3%. Right? Now, is that still a lot of people, 3%? Of course. But, it, but it's, it's moving in the right direction. These are things that you're not, you're not going to hear because we, we want to live in a culture of fear for some reason. We want to be miserable in our country for some reason. Um, if, if you're concerned about uh, sulfur dioxide and particulate that is just being spread into the, the world, um, in 1988, tw- uh, 20 million tons of sulfur dioxide. Uh, and in uh, 1918, no, uh, 2016, it was 4 million. Um, it went from 34.5 million tons to 20 million. So that's gone down globally the, in, over the last 30 uh, years. 1988, 23 wars raged, killing people at a rate of 3.4 people per 100,000. Today, there's 12 wars killing 1.2 people per 100,000. The number of nuclear weapons have fallen from about 60,000 to 10,000. 1988, the world had 45 democracies, which encompassed 2 billion people. Today, it has 103, uh, embracing 4.1 billion. In 1988, there were 46 oil spills. In 2016, there were five. Um, 37% of people lived in extreme poverty across the world in 1988, barely able to feed themselves. Today, that number is 9.6%. Um, true, 2016 was a bad year for terrorists, uh, terrorism in Western Europe. There were 238 people killed in 2016 in Western Europe due to terrorism. In 1988, there were 440 people. Through most of human history, uh, up until the 19th century, so into the 18th, uh, 1800s, the, a newborn was expected to live around 30 years. That was the life expectancy. In the two centuries since, life expectancy has rose across the world to 71. That includes third world countries. And in developed world, it's closer to 81. Um, Again, in the 1800s, a third of the children born to the richest parts of the world died before their fifth birthday. So a third of children born to the rich people still died before they were five. Today... 6% of children in the poorest parts of the world die before their fifth birthday. That's a huge change. Uh, Inequality uh, is rising as far as the difference between poor and wealthy. Um, However, however, real poverty is not. Um, Richest countries um, used to give 1% of their wealth to children, the poor, the sick, and the aged. Today, there's over 25% of money goes to help the poor, the sick, the aged. Let's see, there were a couple more that just really just um, (laughs) jumped out to me. Um, And uh, two centuries ago, 12% of the world could read. Today, 85% can read. Um, (laughs) Not long ago, half the world's countries had laws that discriminated against racial minorities. Today, uh, a majority of countries have policies that favor their minorities than uh, than policies that discriminate against them. 
At the turn of the 20th century, women could vote in just one country. Now, the vast majority of countries where men can vote, women can vote as well. Now, am I sitting here saying that everything is wonderful? No. But, I'm, but am I saying that things are getting better? Yes. And guess what? The wolves out there want us to believe that things are miserable. They want you to believe that life is against you. They want you to believe that ultimately that God clearly doesn't care because the world is just going to hell in a handbasket. Guess what? That's not true. And Jesus said we need to be wise as serpents. We need to know that. We don't need to listen to what our politicians are telling us on both sides of the aisle, by the way. Because both sides of the aisle rely on fear in order to get elected. And so they're going to tell you the, the most fearful thing, whether it's on the right side and it's terrorism, whether it's on the left side and it's conservatism, whatever it is. They're going to tell you, here's the biggest danger, so this is why you need to vote for us. And they're all full of it. Right? And, and I just, I, I want you, us to know, because what we're doing is we're starting to act like people who are afraid. And when you, when you become afraid, you don't act like a dove. You start feeling, you know what? In order to fight these wolves, we need to become wolves ourselves. And guess what? That does not advance the cause of Christ. Sometimes that's necessary to preserve a democracy, and we can have that discussion. But to, to advance the cause of Christ, it does not work, it has not worked, it never will work. And we have to be really careful that we don't get sucked in to all of this fear. Jesus told us that it would happen. He said, you've got to be smart enough to figure it out. And guess what? There's going to be some people who never listen to you. And you say, all right. But we're not going to give in to the fear, because that leads for us to respond to that with anger and hate. Another thing that Jesus said, he said, the brother is going to hate brother, father is going to hate son, all of this stuff. We are seeing that completely, right? This is just a quick example, and this is where I always worry, because I know it gets really political really quickly. But we had the shooting in the school a few um, now it's been a couple months ago right and uh, <laughs> and I, I thought of it from a, his, a historian's perspective say that this led to a another civil war right and uh, and 300 years ago or th- from now they're looking back trying to figure out why what what caused this huge rift that just tore the american people apart right what could have been such an event that just caused people to hate each other, right? And it would all come back to this shooting where 17 innocent children were killed. And ironically, everyone in the country hates that. We all agree, right? Everyone agrees that that is a ridiculous event. It should not happen. We need to do things to keep it from happening. In the aftermath of that event that everyone agrees is horrible. We have become a society where each side, and I've seen evidence on each side, has basically equated the other side as being just as guilty as the person who pulled the trigger. 
And so we all agree that this is bad, and yet we hate each other for it. Right? You have people literally saying, whenever they see a senator, they're saying, you know, as I look at you, senator, it's just like I'm looking at that person uh, who was holding that AR-15 in my face. Really? Do you see the hate? Do you see how that divides and it just twists and it just pulls us apart? And ironically, we basically, we all agree that this is bad. And this is what is happening. And we need to be wise to it. Because what, what we do is we get involved whichever side of the aisle you're on. And all of a sudden you start to have this hate for the other side as well. And you start saying, well, you know what? They just don't see it the way that I do. And all of a sudden we feel, you know what, we can't just be doves. We need to get rid of the other side. And that is dangerous. And all of a sudden we start applying that to the way that we try to go about sharing and living out our faith. See, fear and hate make us fight out of desperation because we feel like the world is collapsing. And you know what? You act differently when you feel that way. And, and we don't act in a way that is good for advancing the cause of Christ. Now, if, our, if, our, if your main goal is to see the Republicans in office or see the Democrats in office, you better engage in fear and hate. Right? But if your goal is to see the kingdom of God expand and to see lives changed because of the loving grace of Jesus Christ, you better realize we don't really have all that much to fear and hate. Because guess what? Even as the world collapses around us, the same God who gave strength to those 12 disciples and sent them out to their literal deaths, he's the same God who is with us today. And he knows, hey, you're sheep among wolves. Bad things are going to happen to you. That's why you need to be smart. But keep acting as doves. Keep sharing the gospel in a loving way, in a gentle way, but yet in a smart way. Live your life each and every day in a way that shares the gospel of Christ. Don't fall into the fear and hate that cause us to act the same way. I want to encourage you this week to think about where you are. Are you fearful of what's going on in the world? Is that causing you to view the world differently? Maybe step back a little bit. Allow God to reassure you. You know what? Things aren't that bad. I was listening to a history podcast during the Spanish influenza outbreak in World War I. More people were killed in 25 weeks than people that were killed by AIDS in 25 years. Things aren't that bad. <laughs> And I'm not trying to minimize any tragedy that happens because those tragedies are real. But part of being wise is having a big perspective. Man, we live in a wonderful time to advance the cause of Christ. And the only way it doesn't happen is whenever we fall into the fear and hate like the rest of the world. Don't fall into the traps of the wolves. Be a sheep. Be innocent as doves. And be wise as Christ taught us to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to, to live in this world.
We thank you for your presence each and every day. And Lord, I just pray that you will give us the wisdom to know how to live out our life and how to make a difference in your world. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who gives us that wisdom, that you are a God who walks with us in the midst of the wolves, and you give us the courage to continue on no matter what may happen. Lord, we thank you that you are our one true king. In Jesus' name we ask him. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We are located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.